Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We are a church in San Francisco, and we are praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. Today, I'm going to wrap up our series. We've been on a preaching series called Generous. Speaking of who God is, he is a generous God. He is a compassionate God. And generosity is when when, when we give, even though others don't deserve it. that's, That's how God gets down. He gives, though we're not deserving of his blessings. He continues to give because that's second nature to him. That's how how he rolls. He's a great God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his first. He gave the first. He gave his best. He gave Jesus. And so we're wrapping up this series today. And I want to bring us to our main uh, scripture for the series. It's found in Proverbs 11. I like how Eugene Peterson would communicate it in the message version, verses 24 and 25. And again, if you're online with us, thank you for tuning in. Don't just be a specter. Lean into the word. And they're waving hankies up in here. Y'all can throw some little fire emojis on the screen and, and I'll flow with you. Danny, Raquel, I see you all. You're with us today. And, and folks all the way in, in, in Pasco, what's going on? Rachel, blessings on your sister. Amen. Proverbs 11, 24 says this. The world of the generous, it what? It gets larger and larger. The more we give, the more God grows this. It grows larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. So the reality is the more that we make ourselves available, the more that God can actually flow in and through us. Jesus would actually say like this, it's better to give than it is to receive. Now, how many of y'all enjoy receiving gifts? Come on, gift cards, right? Shoes, like we like receiving good things. I love receiving gifts, but Jesus said, more even than receiving, it's more enjoyable to be one who gives. As we make ourselves available and we see the joy in other people's lives and hearts, it's just so gratifying, so fulfilling. So the heart of God is a generous heart, and he invites us to be generous even as he is generous. And let me just throw a disclaimer. Some of y'all are like, oh, dang, is this one of them churches they, they're going to pass the buckets again and again? Nah, bro, we good. The offering, we already rejoiced in the Lord. No more offerings moving forward. Someone, someone just exhale like, whoo, all right, we good then. Here's another verse for today that I want to share because the main theme for today's message is two words and I'm going to share to you with you um, Proverbs 3 5 and 6 you might be familiar with this verse where it says trust in the Lord with all your heart not just some of your heart or most of your heart or not just with your heart on Sundays trust in the Lord with all your heart do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take some of us are praying God we need direction we need you to lead us Lord I need to know what's ahead The word of the Lord for us today is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of your heart. Another version would say like this, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That word acknowledge in the Hebrew language, the original language of the Old Testament, that word acknowledge, it means to include him. So trust in the Lord with all your heart in all your ways, include him and he will direct your paths. So many of us, we only ask God for help when we're in trouble. But God is telling us, I want to be included. So let me, let me share some secrets with you. So, for instance, in two months, bum, 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 football season starts. 
And here at City Life, we've got multiple like fantasy football leagues. Folks are like competitive. It must be Pastor Marquise. I don't know. But when the draft night comes for us to draft our teams, Jeremy, I pray in the Holy Ghost. You're like, that's not fair, PJJ. Then you should be praying too. I pray, Lord, help me to select wisely. I include him in my draft. Come on, somebody. I trust him and I include him and I pray. If you ain't doing it, that's on you. He wants to be included in everything that we do. The theme for today has to do with trust and obedience. Because this word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. God invites us in this, into this partnership with him. And it's a journey of trusting him. I don't know if you've been doing this whole Christian walk for, for a while or not. But here's the reality. It's not always easy. The reality is God oftentimes, if not most of the times, he doesn't include us in his planning. So all of a sudden we're being obedient. All of a sudden, like, man, we got twists and turns and, and then surprises. It's like, how did that happen or why did it happen? We don't know. The Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. And for whatever reason, he didn't feel like he needed our permission to do what he wants to do. So in this journey, he invites us. He invites us to trust him. We've got to trust him. To my Brazilian friends, amen. Amen. We got to trust him. And then as he speaks, we obey. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more here as we go into this next section right here. Um, if I were to ask you a question, do you trust God? And we'd probably say, mm-hmm. Here's a follow-up. Then prove it. Because God says, I want you to trust me. I'm like, we trust you, Lord. All right, prove it then. How can we prove to God that we actually trust him? Let me bring you to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Kings. We're going to read a story together. And the backdrop, if you're not familiar with this passage right here, God had a special group of people, the Israelites, and um, they were in covenant with him. God had, had blessed them. He had sent leaders to help them. And they, they, they were like some of y'all that like backslide every other week. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> they would get right with God for a minute and then they would like slip and get distracted and like find themselves in diff difficult places. And they're like, oh God, I'm so sorry again. And they would like, go through these vicious cycles. Well, they found themselves in a season here in 1 Kings 17 where they had actually backslidden hard. The king had actually married this gal from another, another nation. And in her culture, they worshiped other gods. They didn't worship the God of Israel. Her name was Jezebel. We call her Jezzy. This girl has some issues. She needed some help. She needed a freedom retreat up in here. All right, somebody? But she brought in her gods and, and the worship of her gods, and it jacked everything up. A nation that should have been in covenant with God, all of a sudden, come on, somebody, all of a sudden they started worshiping more convenient gods and all kinds of other expressions of worship that I don't have time to get into. And God's like, you know what? I ain't going to put up with this no more. And there were many prophets, not just one like Elijah, but there are many prophets and God-fearing people that still feared God, but the trends and the culture of their day was to actually worship other things and not God. They listened to the voice of culture. They listened to the pressures of society around, and they compromised their convictions. They compromised what was godly and what was righteous. So God's like, you know what? Ain't nobody got time for this. So he just said, I'm going to use my servant, Elijah, as a prophet, and he's going to prophesy to the airways and to nature and to the atmosphere that there would be no more rain in that place. So he prophesied, and all of a sudden, it stopped raining in that entire region, not just Israel, but all the surrounding nations and communities. And all of a sudden, years go by, and agriculture, farming, community, nothing is growing. 
They're not having organic salads no more because there's no more lettuce. <laughs> and they're struggling and they're suffering. And this man who was fearless, who had prophesied the will of God, he's just doing his thing. He would find himself, and you would read in the book of 1 Kings in chapter 16 and then 17, that he would actually go into another land, and he would be kicking it by a brook of water. There was not a whole lot of water, so he's just kicking it, camping it by a tree. And I'm going to bring it to this passage right now. Let me read this to you and to show you how God is faithful, and he challenges us to trust him and to obey him. It says, 1 Kings 17, 8, it says, Then the Lord, he said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. So here he's been camping out by this brook of water, and now God is instructing him, this is the next chapter, this is the next page. I'm going to send you to this new place, Zarephath, near Sidon. This is not Israel, by the way. He says, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Somehow she didn't check her voicemail or her email or her text messages because she's not in on this whole plan that God has. God is speaking through his servant that he's going to use a widow to provide for his needs. So he went to Zarephath, verse 10, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Hey, uh, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Your boy's thirsty. As she was going to get it, he called to her, and, Hey, uh, ma'am, while you're at it, uh, bring me a bite of bread too. I don't know what kind of culture that is, but in my Brazilian culture, that's rude, y'all. Like, she's already being courteous and nice just to like, all right, you're a foreigner, visitor, I don't know where. Let me get you some water. But while she's doing something nice, he takes it to the next level and says, bring me some pizza or whatever. Bring me some bread. Bring me a meal. Bring me a bite to eat. Verse 12, but she said, I, uh, I swear, bro, I swear. She said, I swear. By the Lord your God, not by God, but by the Lord your God. She recognized that he's an Israelite. Apparently he's a God-fearing man. I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I, I, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I were going to die. We're talking about food stamps earlier. She's like, she's down to the bottom of the barrel. There's one more meal, and it's her route. Interesting how when God challenges us, when he speaks to us, when the prophetic word comes, oftentimes our natural reaction, honestly, is fear. Have you noticed that? Have you experienced that? God speaks, you're like, ugh. That happens to me. Elijah then would reply, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Andrea, it's like, bro, how rude. Sir, she just poured out her heart. She just said, we don't have any more resources. We've exhausted all resources. This is my last meal, sir, and you're, you're encroaching upon my final meal with my son. And you want me to bake you a... A loaf of bread or what? I guess it's flat bread back in the day. You want me to give you some food first? The audacity. Sounds pretty rude, doesn't it? Little did she know that this was a setup. God was testing her. And in her obedience, God, God was about to do something miraculous. 
The reason the prophet went there was because God knew there was a widow that was, that was suffering. He wanted to meet her needs, but he would actually invite her into a test. Could she trust this God from another nation? Verse 15, so she, she uh, did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family, they actually continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Fascinating. Why would God do that? Just in recent weeks, we talked about the heart of God, a generous God. How many of you know God doesn't need our money? He doesn't need our finances. He's actually not, not interested in that. What he is interested in is in our hearts. And Jesus would say, hey, you want to find someone's heart? Find their treasures. Where do they spend their time? Where do they spend their finances? Where do they spend their energies? That's where their heart is going to be attached. God wants our hearts. That's what he's looking for. And that's why he'll, he'll hit these sensitive places in people's hearts, particularly in the area of money. He'll actually hit those areas. Why? Because he's actually trying to get to our hearts. And it's a test. Where is our heart attached to? Interesting, because God always wants the first, not the leftovers. <laughs> I told you about the poke bowl a couple weeks ago. Y'all enjoy some sushi, poke bowl, right? Um, poke bowls are great only the day of. The next day, they're disgusting. And I forgot a little poke bowl in the fridge. Like three days later, I went to take a little bite. Ha, ha, like. But many of us, that's how we worship God. We give him the leftovers. We, we fill our schedules with everything else. We fill our budgets with everything else. We make all kinds of decisions. And then at the very end, oh, oh God, I got Pokeball for you. It's a little old. God doesn't deserve. He gave the first and best. That's his standard. So when it comes to worshiping God and when it comes to honoring God, only the first and best. That's why you can do a whole study on first fruits, first love firstborn, all these different firsts. The first and best always belongs to God. That's how we honor him. So the prophet here is asking this lady, first, before you meet your needs, meet mine. Wow. And yet it was a test, a faith test. My daughter Erica just recently came back from college. She graduated. She left and she was playing guitar and she came back. She says, Dad, I, I picked up piano. I, I can play some piano too. And I, can we get a piano? I'm like, uh, mm. like, like what kind of piano are we talking about here? Talk to Pastor Chelsea. She's got the hookups, I guess. I, I don't know how to. Uh, what? She's, oh, Dad, I'm already ahead of it. I'm, I'm on Craigslist. There's actually a lot of people that are giving away pianos. Like there's all kinds of pianos, janky pianos, great pianos. Okay. So she's doing due diligence and she's savvy that way. And she finds this one piano. She says, Dad, there's this one piano. It, it, it looks amazing. She says, it's, it's probably a scam. Oftentimes on Craigslist, if it's too good to be true, right, someone, inv someone invites you to their house for a, a business opportunity. If it sounds too good to be true, it's a pyramid scheme. Don't do it. <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme. Don't jump in. So she's like, Dad, it sounds, the, the piano's worth like, I think $9,000 or something, something crazy like that, right? And it's a great brand. And I'm like, hmm. She goes, I think it's a scam. What do you think I should do? I'm like, I mean, I guess we could explore it. I mean, communicate. Don't give them our address. She's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's test the crowd. If you're watching online, help, help your boy out. 
if it sounds too good to be true on Craigslist, what's the telltale sign that it's a scam? They ask for a little something, something. Now, it might be worth $9,000. they are going to not ask for $9,000, but they ask for something. They're going to ask for something. So I'm getting ready to say, hey, do you know what the telltale? She's like, Dad, if they ask for money, like, you, dang, girl, smart girl. Where'd you get your smarts from? Mom. <laughs> so she was ahead of the game. So I'm at the dentist. They're doing their thing. All of a sudden, my phone, I look at my watch. And like, it was a scam. Okay. Interesting because on Craigslist, the scam is this. You have to give them money first before they bless you. But in this case, it is a scam. They ain't going to bless you at all. But interesting with God, he actually also tests us very similarly. You want to see the faithfulness of God? Prove it. Prove it with your faith. Prove it with your trust. Prove it with your obedience. And he actually does want the first. And before, because it's, listen, it's easy to follow through with like, oh, I'll give you something out when it's already right in front of you. But it's a challenge and it actually is faith when there is not excess, when there is not abundance. And all of a sudden God's just nudging us and challenges, hey, hey, first, before I actually follow through, bring me something first. But God, you don't need it. God knows that. It's not about his needs. It's about your needs. And God wants your heart and our hearts to be aligned with his. That's why he allows these unique situations to come our way. He's testing our hearts. He's, he's testing whether we're actually going to believe him, trust him, and we're going to follow through with obedience. Let me give you two principles very quickly from this passage. There's many others, but I'm going to share just two brief ones. Two brief ones. Number one, first thought would be this. Faith plus obedience equals supernatural provision. It's not just faith. Oh, man, I believe I can fly. Go ahead. <laughs> no, don't sing the song. Just believe that you can fly. That's all. <laughs> you sounded good, though. Sounded great. <laughs> faith has to be matched with obedience. When faith, a conviction, a belief, a trust in your heart is matched with action, it actually does something supernatural. It brings in supernatural provision. It, God says, all right, you trust me. All right. It was uncomfortable. All right. It didn't make sense. All right, you couldn't figure it all out, but you trusted my word. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to come through. That's where the supernatural kicks in. So it's a phenomenal principle. Let me, let me share two verses to paint the context of this story right here. Right before he sent to this widow, I told you he was hanging out away from Queen Jezebel. He's hanging out by a brook out somewhere away, away from the haters. And this is what it says in uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 6. It says, the ravens, they brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. So before there was DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, God was actually sending ravens, and they're bringing sandwiches with meat. I don't know if they went through McDonald's drive-thru, but they brought some morning breakfast sandwiches, and they would bring it to God's boy, the prophet, and he had enough water, fresh water from the brook. And then late at night, Big Macs, bread and meat. Not just bread, y'all, bread and meat. And God took care of him for an extended period of time. <laughs> Interesting. Then watch this. Now, on the other side, so sometime later, the prophet would come back to Jezreel, and then he would go to a place called Mount Carmel. There would be a big showdown. 
between the prophets of Baal, all those haters, all those, those crazy idol worshipers. There's like 400 of them and 400 of these other priests that came. And there's this big showdown. God opens the can of whoop. They all die. God reveals himself. I'm the real God. He comes down. Elijah comes down from the mountain and hears that Jezebel hates his guts and she wants to cut him. So he's running for his life. And I, let me just give you this verse, 1 Kings 19. Just a couple chapters later, Elijah's running for his life. <laughs> verse 5, it says, Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree, which means a place of bitterness, Mara. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and he told him, Get up and eat. I like those naps. You're taking a nice good old nap and someone taps you on the leg. Hey, babe. Thank you, hon. I got some food for you. Woo! Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. It wasn't just like a hand-me-down bread refrigerator for seven days. It was fresh. It was like, woo, delicious. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. It's like all the fellas in the room like, that's what I'm talking about. Naps, great fresh food, and then more naps. Why am I... Why am I sharing all this with you? This man of God had the hookups. God knew his needs. He didn't have to go somewhere to actually find food. God was supplying for all of his needs. Previously, it was the ravens. Now it's like an angel comes and says, hey, get up, bro, get up. I got some fresh food for you right here. And he would eat and it was enjoyable. So why the heck would God send him then to this other town, Zarephath, to go talk to this widow? The need actually wasn't for the prophet. The need was the widow. She had a need. She probably was crying out. I don't know how I can get through this season. I'm coming down to the end of this. I've got no more hope, no one to turn to. She's out there picking up sticks. Imagine the emotional grief, the frustration, the coming to the end of yourself where you've exhausted all options. And even though perhaps she had a different conviction and a religious background. Who knows? I'm speculating. But who knows? Maybe she was crying out. Maybe that God from the Israelites, maybe he can hear my prayers. Regardless, God knew who she was. And God would actually move a prophet from that one comfortable place where he had Uber deliveries morning and night. And he would bring him to this Zarephath little village where there's a widow picking up sticks, getting ready to bake her last loaf of bread. And he says, hey, can you bring me some water? And while you're at it, can you bring me some food? That's the test. So the provision for her miracle wasn't for him. It was for her. Here's the principle. Let her be. God doesn't ask us to give the first to him in order to provide for him. He asks us to bring the first to him. And in honoring God with the first, he actually provides for us. It's a crazy upside-down economy. By us trusting him and obeying him, actually our needs are being met. And it simply doesn't make sense. Trippy, isn't it? How many of you here would love to please God? Let me see some hands in online. Throw some emojis right there. I see some fire emojis. I see some crying faces and frowns and whatever. Keep your hands up. saying, I want to please God. Who here wants to please God? That's a very dangerous statement you just made right there. Very dangerous. 
Because there's only, there's not two or three ways to please them. There's only one way. Someone new in church or maybe watching online, like, dang it, are they going to ask for money? No, I'm not. No, we're not. The Bible actually says that it's impossible to please God without something. What is it? Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, they must. It's not a should or a could. They must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. You want to please God? Then you're signing up for a faith journey. And with a faith journey, there's no guarantees in the natural. The natural eye doesn't get it. But you say, God, I want to please. He says, okay, let's do this then. Will you trust me? Because my ways are higher. My strategies, my approach, they're higher than yours. They're different than yours. Are you really going to trust me? So our trust is tested. Our faith is challenged. And as we act in obedience, supernatural always follows. You're praying for the supernatural. You're like, yeah, I'm believing for supernatural. Then go back at the epicenter of you. Say, God, what is it you've asked me to trust you in? What is he challenging you in? Start there. So let me share a story with you. Many years ago, my wife and I were called to be youth pastors in the East Bay. So for 16 years, we, uh, we lived the life. We lived the dream. We served young people and middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students. And we got a few that are they're all grown up now. <laughs> and uh, we loved it. Loved youth ministry. I started with hair. That's what youth ministry would do to you. <laughs> God then would actually call us and says, I'm sending you to San Francisco began to birth a dream in our hearts. We weren't quite sure what that would look like or what it meant. We thought, well, maybe we'll bring our youth to do some outreaches out here, team up with some great ministries in the L's, the Tenderloin, and maybe care for the unhoused people and just, just do some good things. And that was part of it. Um, but God began to speak in different ways, and this dream and this burden began to grow in our hearts. We didn't know what it meant or what it looked like. Around 2006, in the middle of the night, I, I'm awakened, and I think my kids are in my room. At that point, we had three kids, and one of them, I won't, 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 won't mention her name. But she would come into the room oftentimes, Dad, Mom, I want juice. <laughs> you want juice in the middle of the night? What? So I'm thinking that one of these kids is in my room. Both of them would do this. And I'm awakened because I hear, Dad, 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 Dad. So finally I wake up and I sit up. What are y'all doing in here? I was a youth pastor and I thought the youth were playing a prank on us. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, playing pranks was like kind of, it's par for the course. If you're a youth pastor, just get ready. They're going to Vaseline your car. They did. They're going to TP your house with hundreds of rolls of TP. And all the neighbors in the community are like, thanks, bro. We got toilet paper everywhere. They're going to come and they're going to saran wrap your cars. So they buy big old commercial rolls of saran wrap. And then just going to saran wrap diapers and all kind of like, dang. They would come and they would fork our lawn in the front yard. Thousands of little plastic forks. You wake up like it snowed. No, it's forks. I'm getting triggered. 
So for a split second, I'm thinking I'm being pranked. Like, what, how'd y'all get in the house? <sighs> and then they all say, Dad, Dad. They didn't say John, John, a youth pastor. They said, Dad. And I'm, I'm having this weird, like, whoa, what's going on? And in unison, I hear this voice. And there's 20, 30 people in our room. I'm like, and they said, Dad, when are you and Mom coming? And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm sending you and Elaine and the family to go birth a life-giving ministry in San Francisco. It's going to reach the city and the greater Bay Area and the nations. I'm trying to wake her up. Wake up, babe, wake up. She wakes up and there's no one there. I share with her and we just begin to cry and pray like, wow, God is sending us. So it's not just to do a little outreach, but we're going to actually come and help birth another life-giving church. There are already great churches here, but another one. So then the time would play out and we continued to serve our local church in the East Bay. And it happened that they were going through a building campaign and raising funds. And the time came in 2012 for us to be sent to start a church in San Francisco. Our church had a lot of faith, but not a lot of money. So they prayed for us. They fasted with us for, for 40 days, taking turns, fasting. And they, they, they did their best to give us a, a little offering, which was very appreciated, but it wasn't a whole lot at all. And they sent eight, eight church planters to come with us. Three of them are still here today, 11 years later. All three are pastors. Had y'all stuck around, maybe all of y'all would have been pastors. No, just kidding. Just messing with you. <laughs> just kidding. Love you. But anyways, um, we came and God would actually connect me to somebody by the name of Marquise Gray, a native Frisco. Frisco native and um, born and raised I thought the brother was Latino because I read his name and it says Marquez. The last name was great. I'm like, that's not Latino, but Marquez. So he actually like, hey, he sends me this message because he read somewhere that there's these white people coming from the suburbs about ready to plant city life church. And like, what are these white people doing coming to our city? So he sends me this email saying, hey, bruh. And, um. Can we talk about this? And I would come then to Hard Knocks Cafe, just not too far from right here. And we would meet, and I walk in, and like, there's nobody there. I'm looking for a Latino brother. There's no Latinos. There's Marquis in the back. And he looks at me, hey. <laughs> he goes, are you John John? I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, so I, I go, and I sit next to him. I'm like, hey, what's going on, buddy? Buddy. Like, first off, bruh, we don't say buddy in the city. <laughs> oh, my bad. He began to teach me the ways. <laughs> and we would end up chatting. We would chat for about four hours as he would teach me, man, we got to chop it up for at least four hours. And we'd actually start sharing life stories and experiences. And pretty soon we recognized, wow. This is actually a divine appointment. God is actually bringing us together because he is doing something that is beyond us. Pastor Keys at that time already had a good little congregation that was meeting faithfully, they're winning souls and making a difference already. And we're saying yes to a call of God, not knowing anybody in the city really, but saying, hey, we have a word. And God says, I'm going to send you to that place. And prophets prophesied over us. And though we didn't have money and Pastor Keys didn't have money, none of us had money. We had a word from God. So like, let, let's see what the Lord's going to do. And we feel like the Lord says, let's team up. So we teamed up our teams joined together and we're like hey we got a few months to find a spot here in the city we looked everywhere every different district even chinatown y'all like i'm looking for spots to meet where are we going to do church nothing nothing was opening 
And we had very limited budgets. My wife and I, we emptied out our savings, our investments, which wasn't much, sold our house, and it's like that's all we got to work with, a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil in the jar, nothing more than that. We pushed all of our resources together, our plant team, all of us just sacrificing, pushing all of our limited resources together. And we're looking everywhere through the city where we're going to meet. Long story short, and I could give you way more details, but we found a warehouse on 6th Street in Soma. If, again, if you know the city, just a half a block from the end up. <laughs> the corridor into the L's. And um, there was a warehouse, and we walked in, and it used to be a live adult entertainment porn studio. And we walked in, and we're like, Wow. And you maybe heard me crack some jokes like, we can have multiple water baptism services all at the same time. Look around. Cages and chains and ropes. It's like, man, we got toddler's classrooms, kids' classrooms. We got all kinds of resources up in here. We never figured out what to do with the poles, but it was a great location for church. Interns would eventually move into that place. Some of you all remember the days, humble beginnings. Started from the bottom with nothing but a word from God, where he would say, can you trust me? Prove it. So all of a sudden, the buildup and friends coming and helping us kind of clean that place up, take down the chains, people, let's paint the walls. And Johnny on a scissor lift painting, shh, 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 a week, all week long, trying to clean this place up, building restrooms, doing whatever. Opening Sunday is coming, and as a church planter, the opening Sunday this is going to be the best offering we're going to see probably in a long time. Friends from all over are flying in. Happened that we opened it up. We opened. Launch Sunday was on Folsom Street Fair Sunday. And we were on 6th Street, Folsom and Harrison. So we we're at the gateway to the Folsom Street Fair. And all the folks from the suburbs are coming to celebrate with us. And they're like, ah! <laughs> Covering their, the, the kids' eyes. And the Lord would nudge us. This first offering, the first ever, give it all away. Give it to other ministries that have been serving here way longer than you. They've been plowing these fields for decades. Sow it into them. But God, we already started with like nothing. It's going to be a good offering. We got some like really generous people coming. God, don't you know? Like, let me, let me make a suggestion. God's like, mm -mm -mm. the first always belongs to God. But we heard from God, and we had, God had already proven himself time and time again. He's always faithful. I knew we were up. This was a test. Elena, keys, let's huddle. What do you all think? Let's do it. The entire offering came. It was a good one. It was real good. It's like, all right. So, Lord, how do we send these checks? So we started writing handwritten checks to all these different ministries. And it's amazing. The Bible says your gift makes room for itself. These, these ministries who weren't really, like, making the time to meet us, not their fault. I totally get it. All of a sudden, we come with some, some cheese. And we're like, hey, we have, we have a gift for you. What's your name again? Oh, hey, come on in, bro. <laughs> Next thing you know, we became BFFs with a bunch of ministries. Like, you guys are amazing. And it was a test. God actually was connecting and networking our hearts because it it's not about one church. It's about one team reaching an entire city. It takes all of us. And God would use that then to network and to connect and 
all of a sudden it's like, man, a few more weeks come and miraculously some more checks started coming in and we're a tiny little church on 6th Street and we have enough money for the rent for December now and we're like, okay, we got about $10,000 in our account, which is like, wow, like God is being faithful and then God speaks to us on Thanksgiving weekend that year, 2012. Give all of that away to this other ministry. Ah, <laughs> yes, sir. Again, and this is, isn't the first one now. This is a, like, it's not the first offering. But God is just nudging us. Can you, can you trust me? Will you obey? And we did it. And then like a couple hours later, ah! what were we thinking? <laughs> Have you ever had the post-giving blues? Step out in faith. <laughs> that month became a month of the miraculous. We had given 10000 emptied out our account. A couple weeks later, I get a message. Huh. Someone texted a large offering. I'm like, bruh, I think they just put two extra zeros on their offering. <laughs> Instead of $270, it's like $27,000. Like, ah, I think, oh my gosh, I think they messed up. And we're going to have to like return the funds and I'm going to be stuck with like $1,000 in bank fees. No. <laughs> I hit up my friend. I said, bro, do you realize what just happened? Oh, you got it already? Wow, that was fast. I know, but it was like 27000 Yeah, we sold the mobile home. We felt like God says we needed to sell this. this I think it was a mobile home. And I feel like we just needed to give it to the house of the Lord. I'm like, amazing. <laughs> what? Later that year, or later that month, like a week later, someone else, they received an inheritance that was unplanned for. They had no idea. All of a sudden, in that one month, after we had stepped out, trusted God, and obeyed, that same month, $100,000 came in. For a young baby church, that's huge. Humongous. So I'm sharing with you guys how, like, God was stretching us, testing us, and as we're trusting him and as we're obeying him, God says, you can't outgive me. You can't, and this blessing isn't so much even about their needs, it's what I wanted to do in and through you. So we huddled again, like, hey, we were talking about building churches in India in like a couple of years, but I, we've, got, we've got resources now. Let's start building our churches in India. So we sent money to India. They built four churches in India, City Life Church, India. Pastor Keys and I would take a team and we go and dedicate these buildings the next year, like, what? How is this happening? And thousands of people getting saved and connecting into these churches, City Life Churches, all throughout southern India. Like, what? Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So let me shorten this long story. We had a short-term lease on 6th Street. It was a three-year lease. Three years went by. Next thing you know, it's like we're month to month. And we ended up going for five years. With the, with the rent costs in San Francisco, it was just miraculous that we had that place. But then finally we got our 90 days notice and they began construction right next door to my office. So there with Pastor David and Beto, we're trying to like prepare for sermons or whatever. And it's like, I feel like demons were just pounding on our walls. It's time to go, Christians. And we couldn't find a building. We're looking everywhere. We looked at all kinds of different venues and places. And the Lord would bring us out to the Bayview. And we're like, and the Lord would bring us to this place that used to be a lamp shop. Lamp shop. It had no permits for assembly. 
It didn't have no classrooms downstairs. There used to be like a little drive-in, little garage. This whole joint was open. There's no restrooms up there. And like a big U-shaped open space with chandeliers and lights and stuff. It's like, huh. Long story short, the owner was desperate. He wanted like 30000 a month for this place. I'm like, we don't got that kind of cheese. But the price, he just kept lowering. Finally, for a little bit less than half, we ended up getting into this place for a five-year lease with an option to lease for five more years. God began to grow City Life Church, and we began to see just an explosion of just many families and lives coming, and we went to multiple services, and then COVID hit. Everybody's on timeout. Can't hang out no more. We continue to pay our rent, continue to do our part, continue to broadcast. Shout out to our online campus pastor, Pastor Lamia, our online crew, everybody. That's how Jamie connected to Jesus, and now she's hosting our service. It's amazing. The church is unstoppable. It's not about the buildings, but there's a story. Five years would go by. God continues to grow our church. We come out of COVID. Men, we're meeting again. And all of a sudden, our five-year lease is coming to an end. I reach out to the owner and said, hey, instead of paying you rent, can we just buy this place from you? And he's like, nah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Nope. This, this, this cat, he's wealthy. He sold a house in, in Pack Heights for 29 mil. He doesn't need this building. I say, hey, sir, but if you sell it to us, you're going to feel great about yourself. <laughs> nope. November, our, our time comes to extend the lease. It's like, all right, we got no other options. But now, after five years, they reset based on fair market value. Our lease doubled. So again, it's like, man, why pay someone else's mortgage if we could be paying our own? Pastor Isaac, what do we do? We had no other options, so we renewed our lease. We extended it for five more years. But I asked the guy, I said, hey, seriously, though, if you're serious, we love to just purchase this from you, and you're going to feel great about yourself. <laughs> nope. January rolls around, and the Lord impresses a message in my heart, my next big move. And God was saying, I've already made the big move. What's your move? And faith is always a response to a word. We never step out without a word. If you step out without a word, that's presumption. That's not faith. Faith is a follow-through from a word that God starts, that he initiates. So God was speaking something into our spirits, and the challenge was, what's your next big move? What are you believing for? God, we're believing for marriages restored. We got a lot of, through COVID and stuff, a lot of marriages are just jacked up. God, there's counsel, counseling, but then there's people that are like, Lord, they need a miracle. For reals. We're believing for, for, for restored relationships and marriages. And God... And one of the things that I was believing for, like, Lord, we need to own real estate in San Francisco. We want to steward well these resources, but we're paying someone else's mortgage. Man, we could do so much more. So in my heart, I was already saying, Lord, I'm believing. We just extended this lease, so, man, what else could we do? We, we believe that we're called to, to launch a campus in the East Bay. There's a large community in the East Bay that's saying, please come. Dad, <laughs> when are y'all coming? <laughs> so in my heart, it's like, what's the next big move? And I... I came up on Sunday, the last Sunday of January, and I preached my heart out what God had dropped in my spirit for this house. Vision Sunday, five different key things. Multiplication. I feel like God says we're going we're gonna to be stretched, but we're going to multiply from this house. We're going to reach many more lives. We've seen miracles, but we're going to see many more. And many of you were here on Vision Sunday. It was just like a week or two later, the storms came through San Francisco winds and roofs were flying off of buildings, including ours. And we're calling the landlord, hey, send a roofer. We got leaks everywhere. 
electricity. We had to call electricians. And on the daily, our admin team was calling the landlord. And finally, one day he's actually in town in, in the community. He drops by. Pastor Isaac and I are hanging out, meeting. Bling, bling. The, bell, you know, the doorbell rings. And here's the landlord. And he's like, hey, I want to see all these leagues. Like, yeah, we got a lot of them. He's looking at, man, y'all did good in here. It looks great. Yeah, lots of leaks, though. And I go, um, man, but had you sold us the building, you wouldn't have to come and deal with all this. <laughs> and then, unscripted, and I, I can't take credit because it was actually a God thing. God just looks for willing vessels, especially crazy ones, right? I go, but listen, listen. I go, um, we have a window of time right now. We have angel funders that would love to help us purchase this property. And uh, if you'd be willing to just sell it to us, we can actually buy it and take it off your hands real quick and you won't have to be dealing with all this stuff. We could probably close real quick. Really? I'm like, what? He's actually talking to us? <laughs> How much would you offer? And we had already been doing due diligence for, for a while already. I'm like, we're willing to offer you 5.5 mil. That's fair market value price for this property right here. Five and a half. Huh. He goes home. The next day we get an email. All right, let's do it, but I'll sell it for 6.5. And that same thing that kind of like jump-started me in the first place, I write back, nope. I already said 5.5 mil. That's what we're willing to do. Nothing beyond that. We don't even have brokers. It's a direct sell. No fees. No. Let's just do it, and we can do it fast. How fast? 60 days? I said, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He accepted the offer then, 5.5. says, all right, you got 60 days. You got to put a deposit down, 3% non-refundable. I said, I'm going to put 3%. I'm going to put 1%. <laughs> I was like, man, stubborn pastor. Like, all right, fine then. But we got to do this fast. Long story short, I, I called Pastor Isaac and our elders and pastor, guys, we got an opportunity. Not a problem. We got a great opportunity. Let's see how the Lord's going to come through. And one of our things has always been, we're going to spend wisely, we're going to save aggressively, and we're going to give generously. Our church is a generous church. We've always been generous. When we had almost nothing, and as the Lord began to prosper us financially, we continue to sow. We've helped many churches and ministries in our city, across the street, across town, across the state, across the globe. The generosity of God. A couple weeks ago, I told you about a brother, our guy in Ireland. He wanted a van. I barely even told you all, 27,000 was given within like seconds. I'm like, what kind of church is this? It's a generous, faith-filled kind of church. That's this church, this community. So we had been saving money. The way that it played out, Pastor Isaac helping us with our, 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 our investors and our, our, our bank. It's like, we need to close this in 60 days. They said, all right, you all put 30% down, which is two and a half or two and a quarter, I think it was, and we'll fund the rest. Our team got together, leaders chipped in, boom, let's raise it to 2.5. We didn't have it, we now had it. In 60 days, we closed the property. We now own this property right here. We own it. Own it. In the city. Started from nothing. But a word. A word from God. Can you trust me and will you obey me? And now we're standing in the fulfillment of dreams. and pro But this is just the beginning because it's not about a building. Just, this just facilitates an opportunity for people from Jersey to come and worship with us and be encouraged. For people watching online to receive a word all the way in Pasco, Washington, and all of a sudden be encouraged, or Idaho, tuning in from around the world. It's just it's a tool that God uses 
two other miracles that happened that we're sharing with you. I share the first one. We had been looking for campus pastors for the East Bay. We knew the time was right. God says, it's time to launch a campus. We're launching in 2023. Lord, where are the campus pastors? Is it one of us? Talk amongst ourselves. Like, and then all of a sudden, God began to reveal to us, actually, they're already here. You don't have to hire from outside. Sons and daughters of the house. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to us about Johnny Maria Volk who already live in the East Bay, who have faithfully commuted for 11 years here, part of the original plant team, sacrificed every week for the last 11 years. And God says, they are the ones. Our elders and pastors prayed about, we're like, they are the ones, our overseers. Yep, they're the ones. Maria, God had already spoken to her. God said, give me your yes. And she says, okay, I'll give you my yes. And three weeks later, we're saying, hey, would you prayerfully consider becoming our East Bay campus pastors? Like, ah, it's a trap. But she had already given God her yes. They gave God their yes. So we announced it to you all. We have our campus pastors, check. Now we need a, a venue in the East Bay and it's complicated. San Francisco's complicated. So we've been looking for months. Johnny and the team doing due diligence. We looked at different venues, churches, schools, rec centers, all kinds of different, you know. And then finally, two weeks ago, we signed a lease for our location in Walnut Creek, East Bay, California. It's locked in. Check. God is faithful. Amazing. Amazing. Stories, I think, should encourage us. If God meets our needs collectively, he'll meet your needs individually. He knows the struggles that we navigate through. He understands the challenges that, that we face. His nudging is this. Will you trust me? Will you obey me? Will you trust me? Will you obey me? Just on your chairs, you see like flyers. This talks about what we're going to launch this fall. I hate fundraising. We're not doing no fundraising up in here. We're just not going to do it. But good stewardship would be like, hey, let's try to pay down that loan as quickly as we possibly can. So we're going to launch a campaign in the fall. I'm gonna tell you guys how we're gonna like leverage our energies, our resources, our abilities. The Holy Spirit's gonna to speak to us. And in the fall, we're, we're gonna actually launch what we call a Be About a campaign. Pastor Keyes preached many years ago. Let's not just talk about it, let's be about it. Let's live it out loud. If our church moved away from this community, would the community even notice that we're gone? So we're like, we're not gonna just do a church that is inward focused, we're gonna care for our communities. By the grace of God and the faithfulness of God and your spirit of faith and your generosity, we've had tremendous impact in our city already. That's why we're recognized by the supervisors. That's why we're recognized by other organizations. You guys are about it. That's why we're going to Balboa and we're building them a teacher, uh, 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 just what's it called, a, a lounge. They don't have a lounge. 100 plus teachers, they don't have a lounge. The city isn't doing it. We're going to do it. It costs us 20 grand, so be it. We're gonna, we're gonna build uh, uh, houses and churches in Cuba this summer. We're gonna do it. Why? Because we're gonna be about it. That, that's, that's the culture and God invites us to partner with him that way. So this fall, and I, I, our team put together these bracelets, be about it. I'm asking you as a church, if this is your home church and even our friends from Jersey, feel free to wear the bracelet when you go back. We're not gonna just talk about it. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna be about it. Wherever God sends you, wherever he uses you, even from other nations, those watching online, let's be about it. Say, so Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. Amen. Would you stand at your feet? Allow me to pray a blessing over us. Thank you for your patience. Allow me to tell you this long story. Couldn't wait to share the good news, though. It's amazing. 
We own real estate in San Francisco. Come on, amazing. In a couple weeks, you're gonna, if you're part of this family, if this is your home church, you're gonna receive an email from our team saying, hey, we're sending our best to launch a campus in the East Bay. We're gonna need help. We're gonna need, need volunteers once a month or whatever. Would you come and help? Help us with setup and breakdown. Help us with kids ministry. Help us with the worship, whatever. Go on a little short-term missions trip for a day. And when we launch on September 24th, we're gonna come strong because there's over a million people in the East Bay that still need Jesus. So we're gonna come, we're gonna bring this presence, the same presence that we're experiencing here, prophetic words, the anointing of God. There are many people that need to be connected to a life-giving church. That's why we're going, we're saying yes to him. Amen. I wanna pray for us today. And Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the invitation. We were undeserving, we we're unworthy, but you call us, you invite us to partner with you what a privilege it is to link up with you, to live a life of purpose, God, where, where we see other lives impacted because of our obedience to you. Lord, you know each name, you know each story, you know each situation here. You know the, the struggles, the challenges that we all face. Lord, you know our circumstances, but your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, we wanna trust you. So we give you our yes today, even when it isn't, feel comfortable even when we don't fully understand we still trust you because of who you are you've never failed us God so Lord we say we trust you and now God give us courage to obey give us courage to obey your instructions as you speak we will follow we come in agreement with you believe even today church listen I believe some of you are at a crossroads right now you're at a crossroads in your journey. You're at a crossroads, you're at an intersection of destiny and your heart is a bit full and maybe a little overwhelmed. But God says that he is with you and he is for you. The comfortable route oftentimes isn't the right route. Sometimes it is. But God is telling us even today that if you will trust him, if you will lean into him, trust in the Lord with all your heart, He's gonna direct your steps. God's gonna lead us. He's gonna lead you. He's gonna help you. You're a son, a daughter of the most high God. He cares deeply about you. He understands those things that fill our hearts and he is with us. He's for you. He wants to help you. God is a God of peace. He's also a God of comfort. He's a God of order. So Lord, I thank you. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for clarity of mind, clarity of purpose, this new season that is ahead. I pray for clarity that you would make a way, that you, you would reveal your ways to your people. We speak your blessings over each one. Hallelujah. And maybe you're here today and you've been distant from God. Maybe you've never given God permission to take the wheel of your heart. You've been your own boss. You've been your own CEO, your own manager and you recognize, I need God. I need him in my life. More than ever, I need God. Maybe that's you today and you're saying, I wanna give my life to him. If you're in the building or if you're online right now, I wanna, I wanna just ask you, who says, I wanna give my life to Jesus today and I wanna surrender fully to him. I see your hand, sis, thank you. Who else? Thank you over here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Let's pray all of this, this prayer, all of us together online. You pray this as well. Would you say, Jesus, 
Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I surrender to you. I open my heart. I give my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Take the wheel. I repent of my sins and my selfish ways. I surrender fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's tell all of our friends who pray that. Congratulations. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor David is going to close things out, let you know what's going down.